KCSB FM Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Alexandra Goldberg with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista in the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, pandemic life can be a stressor, especially for college-age students. I'll speak with a therapist who offers insights into the daily struggles of social distancing and ideas for how to cope and support each other in ways to feel less isolated. But first, there are nearly 200 cases of COVID-19 in Isla Vista, and fall quarter at UCSB doesn't start for a few weeks. Isla Vista is famous for its dense population, with approximately 23,000 residents living in one half square mile. It is not uncommon to have 10 or more people living under the same roof. So, how do you social distance in this situation? And what happens if your housemates start showing signs of COVID-19? Dr. Ali Javenbach, UCSB Medical Director, is here to answer these questions and offer guidance to students who fear their home could become a COVID-19 hotspot. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Ali, on Inside Isla Vista. As fall quarter rolls around and the community of Isla Vista attracts new residents, it is inevitable that some residencies will have large groups of students. Can you share some advice on what to do if a housemate gets sick from the coronavirus? Yes. So if a person in a house of multiple people uh, becomes ill with uh, COVID, really the first thing they should do is connect with student health because we have a COVID response team that can really help guide them through the process. But the basic principle is the person who tests positive needs to go into isolation. What that means is they need to really be well, isolated from everybody else in that household. That means staying at least six feet away, wearing a mask, and um, taking turns using common areas, so bathrooms, kitchens. Um, we only want one person in that area at a time. Once one person is positive in a household, every other person in that household is going to be in quarantine, meaning that they've been exposed and they could start spreading the virus um, during at any time during the following 14 days. And again, that's where engaging with student health becomes really important, uh, especially if they're UCSB students, then we can get everybody who's exposed in that household in for testing. The reason we do that is to see if anyone's already sick with COVID and then that new person that we just identified in that household, we need to find out who else they might've exposed. If everybody else in the household is negative, great, we're starting from those people not expanding it beyond that household circle, but everybody in the house does need to go into quarantine for 14 days. And that means same thing, keeping minimum six feet from everybody else, wearing a mask, taking turns using um, common areas like bathrooms and uh, kitchens, um, having their personal items for the bathroom in something portable. So they take the items with them in the bathroom, use the bathroom, take a shower, wipe down the surfaces they touch with a common household disinfectant, gather their stuff, take it out. Same thing with the kitchen. Everybody should have their own dishes, their own utensils, their own cups. Only they themselves handle those items. They clean it. They have a place that they store it. So that minimizes the chance of people touching surfaces that are impacted. And if someone's in the kitchen, using the kitchen, they use their dishes, they put it away, they wipe down the surfaces they touch with a common household uh, disinfectant. Where it gets challenging is if you have a household, which we commonly do in Isla Vista, where three or four people are in a single room. So uh, there are some options of housing support through the campus. There are some housing units set aside. 
that UCSB students can get moved into where they have their own private room, their own um, private or at least semi-private bathroom, um, where we have a process in place to provide meal support for students who need it, um, so they can serve out the isolation quarantine period more safely. We can't force people to take us up on that option. I seriously hope that they do, because that would be the best way to get themselves well as quickly as possible um, and to minimize the chance of spread. If they absolutely refuse, then we do what we can in the space that they have. If you have four people in a room, one of them has COVID, do what you can to remove the COVID person as best as you can. Everybody else has to wear a mask when they're in that room within six feet of each other. Um, and then follow all the other guidelines of wiping down common um, uh, surfaces and taking turns using common spaces. And if any of the people who are in quarantine start to feel ill, then we need to reach out to them as well. Basically, anybody who's in isolation or quarantine that contacts us through student health, they get entered into a module that we have to keep track of them. So every day they get a survey saying how they're feeling. Are they having any symptoms? Are their symptoms getting worse? Do they need help with food, with uh, mental health? Um, and then we let them know once the time period is over that, okay, your isolation or your quarantine period is now over. Um, could you talk a little bit more about the isolation units that you mentioned? How can students get in contact with officials that can guide them through this? Uh, that's done through student health. So part of student health's approach, if a student uh, tests positive, is we contact the student who's test positive, see how they're doing, see if they need help with housing. And then from them, we find out, all right, who else has been exposed by you, this person who now has just tested positive, meaning who has been within six feet of that person for more than 15 minutes. And that just by default includes everybody in the household. So then we contact everyone in the household and anyone else who might have been exposed. And what we tell them is, you were exposed to COVID. We don't tell them who exposed them. We protect the uh, confidentiality of the student who tested positive. But we tell them, you were exposed to COVID on this date or potentially exposed. And we tell them, how are you feeling? Feeling great? Okay, we still need to get you tested. We need to get you quarantined. Do you need housing? And then student health connects to housing and then we help coordinate can you tell our listeners how many days of self-isolation is sufficient to ensure that a positive person does not spread the virus to others? Yes. So for um, what we call an isolation period to end, meaning someone has tested positive for COVID, uh, three things have to be in place. Number one, it has to be a minimum of 10 days from when they started to feel ill, or if it's someone who has no symptoms whatsoever, felt perfectly fine and just was caught as an exposure, a minimum of 10 days from the day their, their test sample was collected and has to be at least 24 hours with no fever without taking any fever-reducing medications. And there should be an improvement in their symptoms. If those three criteria are met, then their isolation period is over. Based on our survey about COVID-19 in Isla Vista that received 199 responses, approximately 41% of respondents reported not having a plan if someone from their household gets sick. Why is it important to establish a plan ahead of time, especially with the unique living conditions that in the densely populated community of Ivy? Great question. So because there's a lot that has to happen if somebody becomes positive in a household, there's a lot of accommodations and changes and movement and knowing what you can do in the space that you have. So those are all the things that really need to be thought out ahead of time because the last thing you want is someone to get tested for COVID and then now you're trying to figure out, all right, who's going to go where, who's going to use what, how we're going to schedule us using common areas. Um, so absolutely, that's a discussion that has to happen well ahead of time. The questions people need to address is, what are they going to do if someone tests positive? 
keeping in mind all the things that we talked about as far as how can you best isolate everybody in that house as best as you can, uh, have an arrangement for using the common areas, make sure you have the cleaning supplies in place and a process to clean those common areas. Uh, and then uh, again, can't emphasize it enough, connect to student health because we have a response team. We're here to help and guide them through that process. It's a lot to try to manage, um, but we're here to help. So if, if there are households out there um, who are trying to draft a plan, uh, and if they want some input on the plan, by all means, send it to us. They can contact us through our uh, general email, through our website, send us a copy, and we can take a look, give you some feedback on it. Uh, we've engaged with the Greek communities um, on, on their plans. They've, they were gracious enough to um, share their plans with us. They've had some really good elements in place, and we're going to review that and engage with them to um, really optimize those plans. Can you talk a little bit about the possibility of a pop-up COVID testing site in IV? Yeah, so the discussions are going on with the county right now to set up um, testing in Ala Vista. Uh, right now, the big um, challenge that they're trying to address is where it's going to happen. So the campus is talking to the county and are there campus-owned properties in Ala Vista that could be an option? We don't know, uh, but yes, that that's, that's in the works. I'm hopeful that it'll be available because I think it'll be a really big help. We have the ability to engage with UCSB students the campus will pay for COVID testing for anyone who has symptoms or has been exposed, but we can't do anything for someone who's not a UCSB student because they are not our patients. We don't have the authority to take care of them. And that's where the county really comes in. Uh, and so I'm hopeful that that'll be an option available. Is there anything else you'd like to add on this topic? Yes. Uh, I really want to drive home the difference between isolation and quarantine. And it's a little strange because someone who's in isolation, meaning they were tested positive for COVID or they feel ill, has an isolation period of about 10 days. Someone who's in quarantine, meaning they were exposed to someone with COVID, they were tested negative, their quarantine period is 14 days. So it's a little strange that someone who feels ill and is positive has a shorter isolation time that's someone who feels fine. I was just exposed once, but that is the reality of how the disease behaves because after an exposure, if someone is negative, hasn't developed symptoms yet at any time during the 14 days, they could start to pass the virus around. So unfortunately it's a longer time period and that's just how it is. So it may be a little confusing, maybe a little counterintuitive, but that is a reality. Symptoms and positive tests, 10 days minimum, no symptom and even a negative test, but an exposure it's 14 days. So please keep that in mind. Great. Thank you so much. Glad to help. And I, and I, as always, appreciate you all taking the time and being part of the process of getting the word out there and, and informing our community. That's awesome. Thank you. That was Dr. Ali Javenbach, UCSB Medical Director, offering guidance for living safely with roommates during the pandemic. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Alexandra Goldberg reporting with KCSB News. Today, we are speaking about the impact of social isolation on mental health in young adults. Recent research from the Centers for Disease Control found that one in four people ages 18 to 24 have considered suicide since the pandemic began. I believe that one of my biggest fears currently is feeling feverish or ill. With every headache, body ache, or sneeze, I freeze, fearing I've come down with COVID-19 and my mind races while I attempt to remember the places I've been or the people I've saw that have given it to me, or even worse, I could have given it to. This constant sense of paranoia is emotionally draining, but we need to remember that we are still all in this together. You are not alone.
My next guest is here to offer guidance for college-age students on avoiding isolation and feelings of anxiety or depression in these uncertain times. My name is Mariela Marin. I'm a marriage and family therapist um, and executive director at uh, Community Counseling and Education Center, and my pronouns are she, her, ella. Today, we will be talking about the dangers of social isolation on young adults amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's start off by talking about how social isolation is dangerous to adolescent mental health. Sure. You know, there are so many, uh, you know, different ways in which isolation does impact mental health in any given time, um, but especially right now because our options are so limited. So, you know, there's the sort of the obvious it's going to impact in depression and anxiety, but sort of more specifically in the ways that it actually does that is that, you know, we're talking about a period in which just developmentally we're, we're conditioned, we're, we're, we're wired to be starting to move away from family and um, start to sort of establish ourselves as our own person. And we do that through our social connections. So it creates already a disruption in sort of this very natural process of testing out the world, finding new folks, being able to express ourselves with others. And that's obviously very, very limited right now. It certainly, you know, affects our ability to be mobile and, you know, just even move around. Of course, we can work out and, and all of that kind of thing. But even that is a very social thing. We typically do it with other people. So the fact that we're limited there, you know, and then I just think about sort of the potential for things like reaching for negative coping mechanisms, like it might be substance use and doing that alone and without the support of, of others sort of knowing what you're going through or things like even the tension of knowing, you know, I'm supposed to be taking care of myself and taking care of my family, but not going out. But then I'm sort of being pulled in these different directions of really needing that social connection. So even just that tension, you know, wears on our body and, and, on, our, and on our mind. So there's so many different ways in which you know, different parts of our emotional, physical, overall health are being affected. Um, and I think that's especially difficult as adolescents, teens, you know, young adults, because it, it is such an active time in our life that requires and thrives on social connection. Um, you mentioned some negative coping mechanisms such as substance abuse. What are some of the negative and positive ways that young adults are coping with these feelings? Yeah, so, you know, certainly we're hearing things that like, um, you know, folks isolating in their room using different substances, whether it be, you know, marijuana or alcohol or pills or, you know, all sorts of different things. And of course, you know, there's always the danger that can present itself with overuse, but especially if you're overusing without others knowing what's happening for you, that can be a huge issue. And that's obviously not the way that most of us would want to know that our friends and family and loved ones are dealing with things. But there are also, you know, negative ways in terms uh, that we're dealing with things sometimes, like really shutting ourselves away with our social media and sort of living just through the social media piece, or shutting ourselves away to the possibility of finding new ways of connecting with folks, whether it be phone or Zoom. And believe me, when I say that, I kind of say it with <laughs> a lot of hesitation because I am done with that. But I also, you know, kind of recognize right now there's really no other good choices. So just knowing that it's temporary. You know, some of the positive things that I think definitely can be done 
is, you know, not completely changing the way you do life. So like, for instance, you know, I just mentioned social media and I don't think social media is the most evil thing on earth. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But It's about finding balance. And so knowing that, you know, I have to find balance in ways that I use social media, not just to sort of view others, but also maybe to reach out to others, finding ways to maybe create study groups that are online so that they're real time. Of course, they're online and virtual, but at least it's a real time connection. And we're talking about things that are not COVID related or not, you know, society um, sort of hurting right now related. So maybe I do just have a study group around my math problems or, you know, the book that we had to read for class. Gosh, and even that, maybe even book clubs where I know other people are reading the same book that I am, and then we can come together and talk about it. So things like that, or certainly things that take care of our our physical bodies as well. Um, You know, I know there's been a lot of stressing getting out and getting active and, you know, and maybe finding some ways where in those situations, you can be in closer proximity to folks, of course, obviously in a very safe way with masks and with distancing. But, you know, there are definitely ways in which folks can support each other in actively getting outside to do some things like that. And I think one thing that's really important too, is for us to really be aware of sort of our days that can feel super, super long now that we sort of tend to stay in the same place and really find different ways to break up your day in chunks, you know, and give yourself routines that can sort of help you get through those days that include the things you have to get done, the things that you love to do, the things that you want to do, the time that you focus on taking care of yourself. So I think just being really intentional are good ways of us for us to sort of figure out how to keep navigating this not so fun period. Are adults that are struggling with these negative feelings, are they seeking help? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's definitely a a period where folks are reaching out for more help. What's tricky is the situation itself, I think also makes it a little harder, especially when we unfortunately think about the impact that this is having economically. So I think more people want help, but there's also the question of, can I afford help? Um, Is it that, or do I pay rent this month or, you know? So it, it is an important thing to reach out for help and know that there are places out there that, you know, this is what they want to do. And it's just a matter of asking. And sometimes there are places that can offer fee reductions. There are therapists who are offering, you know, reduced fees for essential workers or folks who work in certain industries that might be more negatively impacted. So, you know, it's not a, ma- it's a matter of not assuming you're not going to get the help and instead just taking that, that, courageous leap to ask for the help. And, and typically there's something out there for folks. Right. I think the, the topic of breaking it up into socioeconomic groups is super interesting. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about age groups as well? What age group is most affected by social isolation? And is there any long-term effects in children who are developing social skills? That's a, that's a great question. You know, I think, well, I, I think it's, it's, probably true to say that all age groups are affected in one way or another. I do believe that, you know, our young folks, and I would say especially sort of that, again, that adolescent period to young adulthood, folks are probably struggling most and being impacted most because it does form such a big part of 
of our differentiation process from our family and our establishment of personal identity. And that has, you know, now been limited to the folks that we were already around, you know, our families. And not that there's anything wrong with families, but we do move away from and become our own people in that. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's definitely more of an impact there. I don't think it's something that can't be overcome with, with time and, you know, real intention and focus, but it's such a new experience for all of us that, yeah, I think the impact is significant. And while it's also significant for adults, adults are a little bit more established in their um, support networks already. Like we've had time to figure this out. We know who our circle is. We know they're steady. You know, as a young person, you're still kind of figuring that out. So there's nothing there that you can really bank on a hundred percent. So I think that's why it becomes a little bit more difficult. And of course, with young kids, sure, it's, it's obviously also an impact because they, you know, learn from each other the basics along with like the emotional and physical and mental, all that stuff. But they too are very resilient and, you know, can pretty quickly sort of jump into different situations and figure things out. But it's, it's definitely you know, also dependent on things like whether folks have siblings, whether they're in a safe household, whether they have the added pressures of social structures that are oppressing them, whether it be racism, whether it be socioeconomic, whether it be sexism or homophobia, all those different things then add these sort of complicating layers that can be difficult to manage depending on, on the situation for sure. The CDC recently announced one in four young people have considered suicide since stay-at-home orders were issued. Can you explain this increase in suicidal ideation? Yeah, you know, I think the, the increase is, is probably related, especially as this sort of wears on to the fact that this is, you know, going, I think, a lot longer than any of us had originally anticipated. And so that hopefulness that was there at the beginning or that that connection that we were all in this together at the beginning, that has worn off for a lot of folks. There's still a lot of fear. There's, I think a lot of folks are experiencing, you know, maybe the fact that we don't get to see each other very often has ended relationships that they thought were solid. And so it's sort of a blow, a big blow. And when you don't have the opportunity to then really engage and connect and work through things, the what's left is sort of this sense of, well, despair and, and there's nothing to work on. So why continue? And of course, that, that gets heightened when, when we're in such a, a weird, <laughs> it's just weird um, situation. So, you know, it makes sense that, that folks are feeling that. And, you know, once you sort of get into that spiral, if there's nothing there to sort of hold on to and folks don't know where to turn to or don't think that there's a possibility of turning to someone that could actually they could actually access then it becomes sort of more real for folks and so the challenge is to remind folks that even though we are obviously separated in many ways there are definitely ways to connect and they are not the only folks feeling this every age group every gender every race ethnicity Everyone experiences what's, what's happening right now, and it's a matter of, of trying to connect with, with as many people as possible to find the person or the group that's going to most support and understand where you're at with things. 
Do you believe that social interaction will go back to normal after the pandemic is under control? Gosh, that is such a good question and such a sometimes a scary question to even right. think about. <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, I do think there there's there are elements that will never go away because it's just part of like our human nature. I think our need to connect will never go away. And so that will help drive us back towards each other. And I think that need will also help us figure out what are safe ways to continue to, to connect. I think there will be some for some folks, you know, who maybe were disrupted in their new social style or new ways of connecting there will be a period of sort of having to relearn some of that, you know, and relearn how, even the pace of conversation, like how we go back and forth and eye contact that isn't over the computer. But I do think it's, it's, it's sort of ingrained in us that we will do whatever we need to do to actually be able to connect with each other because it's such a deep rooted you know, I think it's a physical need. I think it's an emotional need. I think it's a spiritual need. I think it's just part of sort of the energy that flows through all of us that will help us figure that out as we go forward, even if it looks a little bit different, but I'm, I'm very hopeful. Where can students find resources, specifically UCSB students and other young adults living in Santa Barbara County? Is, I mean, especially students in, you know, the Santa Barbara area, there are so many nonprofits in this small town um, that want to help and, you know, sometimes just don't do a great job of outreach, um, but are there. And so, you know, even on just a simple Google search on, on support and counseling or social groups, they are starting to pop up sort of everywhere. I can say, I can speak from, from just my experience, you know, at Community Counseling and Education Center, we have seen an uptick in folks just recently and we work on a sliding scale. And right now, our goal is to see anyone who needs to be seen. So we have some folks who are paying as little as a couple bucks a session, um, you know, some who can pay 25. So it's really just a matter of, of calling up and talking to folks and, and working with you. And my understanding is that that's true of the other agencies in town as well, you know, like New Beginnings or Family Service Agency. Um, we all know what, what folks are going through and, and part of our DNA as, as therapists and social service agencies to want to be of support. And, and it's just a matter of, of reaching out and connecting. And I think, you know, students also, you know, hopefully have the opportunity to um, access services on campus. I woefully, I don't know too much about what's happening on campus right now, but you know, campuses really around the country, I think are starting to recognize and see that they have got to provide services. And so it's a matter of asking and if they aren't there, you know, pushing for them because that's, that's something that's, that should be provided and should be there for folks to be able to lean on. Is there anything else you would like to add to our interview? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would just say, you know, I, I think we all kind of landed here you know, kind of against our will. Um, but I've been so impressed by just what we've all sort of figured out about ourselves and what needs to happen. And it is okay to struggle with this and it is okay to hate every minute of it. Um, as long as uh, you also keep trying to find the positives in it and trying to find ways to maybe shift that a little bit because it is out there. 
in the end, I think ultimately we will come out of this um, maybe a little bit different, but if nothing else with an even bigger set of tools to sort of survive the world we live in and whatever comes, you know, from here forward. I think, you know, I think we got this. We just got to believe that and hold on to it. That was therapist Mariela Marine speaking on mental health awareness amidst the coronavirus pandemic and how social isolation can be dangerous to young adults. You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. You can listen to a replay of this program and past episodes in the news section of kcsb.org. I'm Alexandra Goldberg. Our theme music is Siesta by Jawser. This in 91.9 FM KCSB.